Hey, it's Michael Fabiano now with Sports Illustrated, and I'm here to help you through this wild fantasy football season. To win in fantasy, you need player rankings you can trust, and ours have received the top five accuracy award over the last three seasons. Sign up for the all-new SI Fantasy Plus at si.com slash fantasy. We even have tools that sync with your leagues and experts who are standing by answering your questions in our premium chat. Sign up for SI Fantasy Plus at si.com slash fantasy and win your leagues in 2020. That's si.com slash fantasy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206 451 42 I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. your host with the most, Tiny Tim. What's good, Podcast Phil? You found the Bystander Podcast. Happy generic time of the day to you. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mudwater. My guest today is South Ward City Council candidate, Kent Scott, the man with two first names. How you doing, Kent? Super. Thanks for coming in and bearing with my technical difficulties here in Studio 15 before we got started. It's nice getting to know you on a more casual level right away. It's nice to see you. Nice to be seen. <laughs> yeah. So you, you've been an Islander um, three decades, yeah? Something like that. All in the South End? Same house. Same house. You're living out there on Old Mill by heyday. Have you been by the house? I don't know exactly which house yours is, but I Oh, Jesus I Christ, it. it's the pink house. It's hard to miss it. <laughs> okay. Now all the haters know that you live on Old Mill in a pink house. We used to live in a pink house, too, in uh, Broadmoor, which we used to call the Pink Palace. That was our first house. Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't have a name for it. No, you do. You can, you can borrow that. Pink Palace. Uh, thanks, but no, I'll pass. <laughs> so what do you do during the day? What's your day job? Uh, well, I am no longer working. Congratulations. Let's hear it. Yeah, bravo. Yeah, you know, I, I was reflecting. I started my first job when I was 10, delivering papers once a week. So that means for 54 years I've worked, and I'm all done. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. What do you do? I don't do much. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh-huh. Happy life, happy wife. Um, I got it good. Yeah. But, yeah, I worked a long time. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Uh, well, tell me what the background is. Was it architecture? Was that yeah, correct? Something like that. Does it planning and design? Sure. All right. Yeah, traveled around a lot. I have millions of miles flying. So Asia? You've been Asia? Asia? Sure. I mean, yeah. lots of work throughout the U.S. and Korea, Japan. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about uh, what's going on in China? Do you think they're going to be the world power here pretty soon? <laughs> Oh, we've made a big jump. Yes. Are, are we all teaching <clears throat> I, our kids? I think they already are a world power. The world power, though. <sighs> yeah, sure. They're going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. We should all start yeah. learning the language. I think it's too hard. What, do you, what about the car, uh, currency? You think their currency will take over our currency? Was the traded uh, dollar? 
You know, I, I couldn't say. I mean, it's certainly it's going to be a big problem for us in some ways. Yeah, we but, like to but print cap- money. But, but capitalism is not a very good system, no. especially how it's currently practiced. Because you remember what the economist said about capitalism. I do not. Tell me. Right. There's only one thing more important. What? Government control of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we're a little, running a little roughshod now on the, on the money deal. Yeah. Right, um, so. Apparently, we have an endless su- supply, and we can just print it, and everybody will trade in the U.S. dollar, and that's what keeps us afloat. Well, it is true that there is a lot. It's just poorly distributed, don't you think? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, like, uh, what was it, 4 million, 40 million that we gave Israel or something, and, uh, you know, how how many more... Wow, we're bringing in Israel. <laughs> Jesus. And we're going to Palestine, Afghanistan after that. <laughs> yeah, right. This is you a world know, affair, I mean, world those, politics. I mean, those guys are blood brothers. You figure it out. Well, I would like to figure out um, kind of the homeless strategy. You know, a lot of money is going to these wars, military. Military seems to be the biggest employer of people in America, and we're selling guns to people so we can fight them. With our our guns that we make, and it's just a vicious circle, and uh, I'd like to see that money spent a little differently. Well, it is sort of funny how we supported the Taliban fighting the Russians, right? Yes, well— We, did, we gave them money. I mean— Didn't we, we kind of invent the Taliban? Um, I don't know, but we also gave Saddam Hussein money, right? Yes. Yeah, right. But they, anyway— They were our allies and freedom fighters— uh, but let's go back to homelessness. We did a lot of, a lot of moving ground there. You know, it's funny. You know intersectionality, yeah. the idea. I mean, it's funny. You can't give somebody a ho- someone a house and think it's going to be okay. Right. Right. You have to give them opportunities and some social services for it to be okay and a house. Would you feel that way if we went to a UBI system, universal base in- income, where everybody got 1000 bucks a month? Do you think that – that would not catapult people out of some of this uh, homelessness or well, transitional housing? I mean, you saw that Tacoma is doing that for some residents uh, starting soon. And mm. uh, there are several cities in California that have done that. And all the demonstrations have been successful, no question. But sometimes it's not just money. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're in Canada, you get hurt, you get free health care. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, here you get hurt, you don't have health care, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So, it's more than the money. I mean, it has to be a full palette of services, you know, to allow someone to have their humanity. Yeah, I don't. I think we've gone away from the Medicare for for all debate with the presidents and, and such. It just, I feel like they've put it on the back burner to the extent where, nah, it's just not going to happen. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. You have to have car insurance though. Yes, and you don't need to have a license to own a gun. Do you know how many uh, concealed carry gun licenses there are on Bainbridge Island? Uh, Can I guess? I would hope so. Uh, 4,200. It was 1,000 as of about five years ago. Okay. Yeah, and how many licenses are there for guns, not concealed carry? No. No idea. There is no license to own a gun. Wow. So we have no idea. <clears throat> Pretty interesting. Well, how do we measure our homeless? That was, that was a trick question. Yeah. How do we measure our – here's a trick question too. How do we measure our transitional and, and homelessness here on the island? Is that just by random police headcounts or is that by how many kids in school are getting uh, – fed for free because of their situation um how what does that is, what does transition mean in between houses not quite just uh, recently lost a job yeah. sleeping on somebody's couch overstaying at grandma's house something yeah. like that yeah kind of a transition from having a house to not having a house or vice versa how do we count those people on the island do you know no idea yeah i mean the funny thing about bainbridge is those people who can afford to be here are here mm-hmm I mean, uh, I mean, I know lots of people that have moved to Squamish, Indianola, Palsbo. Kingston, just yeah. fin- Kingston, because finances change. Right. Uh, right. So thank, mean, pe- thank, people leave. 
Yeah, thank you, County Assessor, continuing to jack up the value of my house. You know, oh, you know, it's not their problem. It was affordable know. when I bought it, but now the taxes are crazy. Well, you know, you remember Ron Sims? How long have you been yeah, in the yeah, state? Yeah, I know Ron Sims. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Bothell. Yeah, all right. So Ron Sims had one platform when he ran for governor, abolish property taxes. Mm. I mean, it is said, if it's true, that up to 30% of all home sales on the island are for people who cannot afford their property taxes. I mean, we are displacing people who are long-time residents uh, that make up a fabric that's critical for the island. For what end? You know, yeah, I, mean, I, I totally see that very, happening. Re- very regressive tax structure. Well, you're going into the retirement s- stage of life, and you know there's a lot of people that are. Yeah, and I'm shitting. I'm in my pants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. There's a lot of people that been here a lifetime and have to go now. They're getting displaced because the yep. taxes are yep. too much. Yep. Yep. I mean, there is a uh, category. If you make less than 40k, you get a discount. But it's pretty hard to live <laughs> in a house if you make less than 40k. Yeah, it'd be hard to get off off the couch for forty k. <laughs> Although I know people who live in some of the uh, boats in the harbor who live on twelve k. Yeah, right. The liveaboard situation is kind of nice. You should interview some of those guys. There are some pretty wise people that live out on those boats. Yeah. Shout out to John Rose. I am um, looking forward to going fishing with you soon, buddy. Um, John Rose from Olympic. Resources, Property Group, yeah, yeah, Pope Industries. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Um, has a beautiful boat, and he's chose to have the liveaboard lifestyle. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, well, let's carry that over to affordable housing. That seems to be the hottest topic uh, on this island, and yeah. uh, the type of housing that we build, the McMansions or the, the generational housing or the ADUs or small squatting places and boats, you know, it, People are struggling to f- find a place to live and work at the s- on the same, you know, scale. You know, some people that work here can't afford to live here, and is that something that we just need to accept, or is that something that we can can fix as as a city council? Creating affordable places to live. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's a, obviously a huge topic. Huge topic. I mean, what is affordable? Who should have access to, quote, affordable housing? Well, let's say minimum wage at $15. McDonald's, shout out to you for $16 an hour. Um, That person works 40 hours a week. Can they rent a dwelling on the island, you know, for less than two-thirds of their entire paycheck? Well, shoot, what do those numbers come out to? If you're making 16 bucks an hour, so you're making 32000 a year, and a third of that is 10000 which means you've got 900 bucks a month. How much does the studio cost at Bliss? 1700 1700 Studio, Bliss, you know, 350 square feet. Yeah. Yeah, those are cute uh, little places, and they're bed- almost— Two-bedroom? You know, 3,000 plus. Isn't Bliss pretty close to capacity too? Don't know. I mean, they haven't built all their stuff. But the question is, who is the afford- who are the affordable housing for? Right. <clears throat> and is it for the McDonald people? Probably not because they can't afford much. Mm-hmm. Or the question is, what can you afford to build? What can you afford to build or have built? And how many do you need? Shit, it's a huge question, <laughs> right? So what do you think about the thought process of city council just raising funds and putting it all on housing resources Bainbridge and say that's what you're destined to do. You're you're the one that's responsible for housing resources. Here's the money that we can give you. Come up with a plan. Why aren't they more front and center and it seems to always be falling on the city council? Why isn't HRB more front and center yeah. and not council? Well. I couldn't say. I mean, I think they do their best. I don't know how much funding they have. But I think the real solution that we should be attending to as an island for affordable housing does not involve money coming from your pocket or my pocket or any resident on the island. I mean, you know that Suzuki roughly costs a subsidy of 250000 per affordable unit which means that you and I are subsidizing somebody who's making 110% of AMI, which is more money than I make. AMI? AMI, 
uh, average median income of the county, you know, roughly 80,000 bucks. I mean, bottom line is, is can we afford to build affordable units if it costs people who can't afford property taxes, <clears throat> additional taxes for someone who makes more money than they do? And the answer is no, in my view. Yeah, that's a very I mean, good point. Yeah, I mean, if you look at almost any urban area, um, they largely take care of affordable housing by two means. You know, one for 30 and 60% of median income, they get federal and state funding. But for the island, you know, if you look at school teachers, <clears throat> firemen, people who work at the clinic, and, police, uh, police all, all that stuff. I mean, those guys are making 60, 80K, um, sometimes more, just depending on how long they've been working. And um, to provide housing for them, you can't get any federal or state funding. I mean, the answer is to provide developer incentives. And this was, if you've read the uh, Eco Northwest report, no, I talked not. about inclusionary zoning and TDRs, but also the um, Affordable Housing Task Force Group report that was done in 2019. I mean, bottom line is, in my view, you give a developer three extra units, they give you three affordable units. Mm-hmm. In essence, they're making money, and it costs the community nothing. The thing that the community has to give up if they want affordable units at no cost is they have to give up some density. And this is the big rub, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, it's a huge slippery slope about upzoning and increasing density because the island is already overzoned. Right now, there's enough uh, housing potential to satisfy the Growth Management Act until 2050. And that's like Fletcher Bay and Rolling Bay and areas like that? No, it's just all the residential units. I mean, all the rural areas. Mm. I mean, we're overzoned for what the GMA asked. So, you know, it's a big problem. How do you create affordable housing so the developers are willing to pay for it, but yet not increase the density of the island beyond what makes sense for the character of the island? Now, hasn't there been a little bit of bait and switch, either by the city or by development developers, such as the Grow area and Northtown Woods, and um, I can't think of another example, but that there was supposed to be X amount of affordable houses built into those projects and then that didn't seem to happen because then they had a choice of going green or lead or affordable and yeah i don't know you I just mean, pick I, one of the three i think northtown was was an early example of affordable housing uh applied from uh land use code and uh the trouble with northtown woods is that you could buy an affordable unit i don't know how many there were but after a year, you could sell it at market rate. I mean, that was a mistake, and that's now been fixed. <clears throat> I don't know about anything at Grow Community, but most all the my understanding is all affordable units that have been built subsequent to Northtown Woods, it's in perpetuity based on a formula to be affordable. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about the two Mike Burns projects, one the hotel and then the one that was mixed retail affordable housing on Madison there where the roundabout went in? He was going to uh, demolish that, provide all the tenants in that building um, a place to live, and was going to upgrade the playground and make it a mixed-unit retail condominium right there in downtown Winslow, Madison. I know about the the hotel. I don't know about the other site. Okay. Well, that came crashing down. Is that the one right on the corner of the roundabout? The one where HRB is getting some affordable units? I believe so. Yeah. Well, that's going ahead. So maybe you're talking about a different site. But let's maybe, talk, maybe it was a different project. But let's talk about the hotel. It. I mean, uh, legally, the hotel was allowed because you could buy extra bonus and build it. I mean, it was a. So know, that's a part of upscaling? Or? Well, you know that there's a big break between what the comp plan says, which is a vision for what Bainbridge should be, and what the land use code allows. I mean, the comp plan says uh, hotel in Winslow, super, 15 units. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but because Mike Burns was allowed, because the, the uh, mechanisms of the code allowed it, he could up that to 87 units. I mean, and many people will say, and I completely agree, and Heather Wright, planning director, agrees that the land use code has to be brought in line with what the vision is in the comp plan. I mean, this is how Visconti sort of happened. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of 
it just didn't work out as the comp plan envisioned. And, um, but let's go back to the hotel. I mean, the hotel was kind of a dumb thing. It was allowed, but like, why would you want a facility with 50 employees and all the coming and going of 87 rooms, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a neighborhood? I mean, it's not too far from where you live, Tim. Right. Right. I mean, and I was a bike commuter. I'd come up Wyatt, turn down Grow, and what am I going to do? Be confronted with people, you know, checking out of the hotel room every morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a nutty location. I mean, it's bizarre to me that the 20 acres of the ferry district, which, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Diamond lot, the state lot, city lots. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of private owners. I mean, that looks like Linwood when I was a kid growing up, just one big sea of asphalt. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't that make sense to be a nice urban district with a bunch of hotels with views of the water? Yeah. <laughs> Get off the boat, just drag your bag up to the hotel door. I mean, why would you put a large hotel at the very west end of Winslow in a residential area? Mm-hmm. But it was allowed, so that's you know that's a curious thing. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm a little twisted that it went so far in the development plan, and then it seemed like the rug was pulled out from underneath him. Yeah, and it's like it could have been stopped a lot earlier before a lot of money went into that project. Well, do you remember the bridge to nowhere? Yes, I coined that phrase right here on the bystander podcast. How many times did that go? Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. Uh, Fat no for me. Well, it was a big. Yeah, it's a long story, but the the same thing with the hotel. Why wasn't it stopped earlier? Why wasn't the bridge to nowhere stopped earlier? Because there weren't adequate decision makers on council. Mm -hmm. What what drives you nuts about the current city council in the last four years or so? What has motivated you to say, hey, I want to step up because I don't like seeing X, Y, Z? Oh, that's too big a question. Let's take it in little pieces then. I'll try it. I'll try it. Okay. The four that are sitting on the left of the dais, what do you think of them? And then the four on the right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it is a really curious mix of people. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, how long do you live down island? Over 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess I beat you. Yes. Right. Matt, so, Te- Matt Tierman was my first guest. Yeah. So I've well, been so, you know, messing uh, with council for a while. Some people say that we should pull up the, uh, the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Too much change. But I wonder, would you mind leaving? Because you've disrupted my quality of life. You've only been here 10 years. Yeah. And since, you know. Would you mind? We've been long-term I just, friends. I, I, just I, I, I yes or no. will do that would for you. Would you leave, please? Yes. All right. Thank you. Gone. Yeah. Uh, no. I can't leave. I like it here. Yeah. Well, you know, it, but it's – and is we can talk about if Bainbridge is better now or not. Certainly different. But speaking of council, and this goes to the point, it seems like there are some people who want no change mm-hmm. and some people who want, in my view, reckless change. I mean, it's really amazing to me that where is the the candidate and where are the council members who want wise change? Right. Right. They're not elected. There seem not to be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we got on air about Dennis Miller say, saying, I just want to do the right thing. And he was didn't come across as a viable candidate for a, a lot of people, but he was there wanting to listen to what people wanted. He was going into it with no agenda. Yeah. and I don't think you can do that. Yeah, it's, it's not a great platform. No, but, I, mean, uh, I mean, what's really interesting is uh, how do you solve the affordable housing problem? Some people would suggest we increase density in rural areas. No, I've, I feel like we've met the density quota already. No, <clears throat> but how do you solve the affordable housing issue? If you allowed somebody to put a duplex uh, on their property or if you allowed someone to put two ADUs or if you allowed someone to build small houses – Mm-hmm. Some people think that's a solution to the affordable housing problem. It it's, could be a, a partial solution. It's not a solution at all. No? No. And this why is, is that? This is why. I mean, every house, every residence generates 10 car trips a day. And, um, I mean, if you want to put 100 units of affordable housing, do you put it in rural areas and cause 1,000 a, a uh, extra trips on, on island roads and cause more cutting down of trees and compromise of natural systems, or do you put it where services and transit are? Mm-hmm. You put it in Winslow. I mean, increasing the density in rural areas for affordable housing is a non-starter. 
I mean, it I hear com- you. compromises environmental quality, compromises quality of life. I mean, it's it's just and well, it's and it's non-sustainable. Let's go back to the the property in, in front of the ferry where it's just asphalt, right? So twenty you, acres, right? Um, you'd have to have some type of car garage still. What happens when we have you know more electric cars going and the ferry goes electric? Um, do we need any of that land to help support that as well? Um, we have the water runoff. We would have to build a uh, what an aquifer or something? Not an aquifer, but a storage a, tank, storage, rain storage, and uh, you know what kind of density do do we see in there? Is it some type of high rise with a parking garage below it, and then that becomes the affordable housing area? And is this really something that we can ever do? Is make a solution for affordable housing on this island when it's very much a one one percenter type place to live. There's affordable housing being built in Seattle every day. Mm-hmm. There can be affordable housing. It's a lot more built. area, though. Sure. I mean, we're not talking about the the tens of thousands of units in Seattle happening on Bainbridge, mm-hmm. but we're talking about hundreds of units potentially being built on Bainbridge. We can, it it's achievable. It's doable. We got lots of land to do it. If you include the whole Winslow Planning District. You know, high school especially, including the ferry district, sure, there's plenty of spaces to build. You have to provide the incentives for developers to do it. When you say the high school area, um, what do you mean by that? Uh, probably grow to Ferncliff. Make that? Uh, south of high school. Dense? Denser than it is. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You've got services area, you have transit. It's easy walkable to most things you need. I mean, yeah. this is the classics, you know, sustainable solution right you infrastructure put, you put people where they don't need to drive right right and that's why you know i'm a big fan of sto trail I'm a big fan of light rail and i'm impressed with the new bi ride ride share it's good you it's know good things like that uh yeah i think we could do with some rickshaws down at the ferry that'd be nice and uh so well. maybe maybe some scooters i don't know i when i go into seattle i I really dislike seeing all the bikes laying down on the ground and scooters thrown everywhere. Well, you know, it'd be nice if people drove the speed limit, don't you think? Yes. Be- I'm often out walking dogs and, uh, you know, right where those two joggers got hit yeah. on, uh, what was that? Finch. Finn? Finch. Finch. Yeah, yeah I, I walk there every day and get into the Bethany Lutheran um, Orchard and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And just that right that one right-hand turn where the guys got hit, yeah. there was a small traffic revision. Right. But I see people coming up from Linwood area, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting to take my turn there, and they all cut that white line really close. And it's like, how short a memory do people have? It was only about two years ago when those gentlemen got hit, yeah. and uh, it was a big deal. And we we had multiple people hit in crosswalks in the last year on Bainbridge. You know, by the police's own record, about uh, 11% of drivers exceed the speed limit on the island on any one place by 10 miles an hour or more. And um, if you do it on a personal basis, you know, just go out and checking with the radar gun, mm-hmm. 20% of people are exceeding the speed limit by 10 miles an hour. How many tickets did the police hand out for speeding you know, it was like five years ago. It was like one every two days. I mean, it's crazy when I'm trying to check my mail and somebody speeds by me at 35 miles an hour and it's posted at 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to send your kid next door to play? I mean, it's, it, yeah. speeding I, is a gigantic problem that is not attended to. I was a huge advocate of uh, more reflective, better crosswalks a few years ago. And I'm glad right there in high school road at the high school it became illuminated with a, a street light better reflective tape on the signs um, yeah. there's a divider between the lanes now it says you gotta stop for the law well how do you feel about the candles that went in on grow for a while this summer get them off the street what the heck whose idea was that i was like so really? annoying i didn't like it i no? you know what i do like is uh, where it says speed limit posted 25 yeah. and then it has the radar gun attached to the speed limit and it says slow down yeah that's effective to me you know same with same with the officer hanging out at commodore by the roundabout 
you know, he's he's there almost every day. I've never seen him. Yeah, he hides. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's he going to do there? He um just kind of manages the traffic. Who's flying through that? Yeah. Roundabout. I thought the candles were pretty good. It seems like people did slow down, but it is a temporary solution. Well, it's just not aesthetically appealing to me either, well, you know, to have a bunch of orange cones right down the middle of the lane. Yeah. It's already 20 miles an hour on that road. That's right. Yeah. I used to live on Grow when I first moved here. Rest in peace, Bill Barrow. He was my landlord. Oh, right. You're on level now. Yeah. yeah so right. I don't get the flying down the road traffic. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I didn't like that idea. I think there's better ways. Um, we sp- said the our word a couple times. How do you feel that roundabout turned out on Madison? The new one? Yeah. Well, have you ever gone into it and just made a direct left turn? No. And not gone all the way around it? No, but I, I struggle to put I, my I, signal I have, on. I have. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know. I've never seen anybody fly straight over it, but I've certainly heard lots of stories. Yeah, I've seen people. Right. So, you know, I think they painted it that Kirby thing yellow, which makes a difference. That helps. It helps. I'm surprised yeah. that wasn't in the original plan. I, and I think yeah. it's small like that, so service trucks, 18-wheelers and such, right. can get through that roundabout. It's true. And, uh, you know, they're bringing all the produce to the restaurants that are in yeah. the pavilion and, yeah. and down on Windsor. Yeah. Well, you know, although uh, I don't think that the roundabouts are safer for pedestrians or for cyclists, simply because a car doesn't have to stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not used to looking the way they should look in a roundabout to see where, you know, pedestrians or cyclists are so it's a mixed thing uh roundabouts as you know statistically are way safer because not that there's fewer accidents but the accidents that occur are uh, not as slower pace not as bad that's the big deal i do not understand why there's one going down by riatan right before the bridge i would understand a roundabout on day road i think there's one coming there no it's no deep sixed it was. Yeah. It was, on, it was on the table for a while. That's right. Um, but why is the one so close to the bridge going in? Because you can't turn left or right off yeah, that roundabout. It was, it was that combo effort. I don't. I think it may be West Port Madison or it could be Agate, whatever they call it, Agate Wood that goes into Bloedel. But the thing is they need a place to come out, go north, and then turn to come south. So the second one at not – Rioton, but the one before that, uh, I forget the name of the street, but it's to allow people who are coming out of Westport, Madison, because they can't go south, they have to go north. It's the only way they can go. And then they come around and come south at the next roundabout. That's why there's two. But how much traffic's even coming out of Port Madison? Well, here's a bigger thing. Uh, you know, WashDOT was asked when they were designing the roundabouts, the goal here is to move cars through and they said yes that's the goal we want to move more cars more efficiently so they said yeah we want to move more cars more efficiently but so the question was asked well could you slow the speed limit down and would that achieve the same thing as building roundabouts at 40 million bucks and they said yeah that would achieve the same thing so then why aren't you doing it (laughs) yeah it seems like uh changing a, a speed limit sign is a lot more cost effective than cutting down trees and putting more asphalt and and just safer. I mean, again, uh, non motorized cyclists on on roundabouts—that's scary business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but here we are. Yeah, um, it's, it's a done deal. They're building them. Yeah, I cycle a lot on the island, and uh, I appreciate the the shoulder activity going down there at Eagle Harbor and uh, what they yeah. put in at Fletcher Bay by the Grand Forest. And yeah, you know, yeah. there's some spaces where I was pretty fearful to ride ride your bike. Yeah, but you know what's interesting to me about the improvements on Eagle Harbor Drive, I agree with them, although I would prefer just to have shoulders rather than separated trails. Um, mm. But, you know, there's a lot of missing links. So if you're a cyclist, you know that there are sections of Miller and Fletcher, sections of Linwood, where the trail ends and you're thrust onto the road. Right. And uh, I would much prefer to see the city complete. Road, uh, roadway improvements for non-motorized where there's missing links before they build yet another section of trail like they're doing on Eagle Harbor Drive. Because mm-hmm. you talked about going out to your mailbox, and there's some people that 
go out to the mailbox and there's no curb or, or the white line is disappearing and right. they're in the street to get their mail. There's, right. there's nowhere else to stand. And yeah, it, I don't know why some of these new develops, developments don't automatically have to come with a sidewalk and a bike lane. And uh, You know, and, that's, that's in the land use code. And uh, I mean, you see a lot of improvements. Like if you've seen the new po- fire station on Buckland, I mean, they had to put in a shoulder and highlighted improvements across the street. They had to put in a shoulder. Mm-hmm. So the city does require in certain locations, depending on the type of development, if there's a shoulder or if there's sidewalks. So, you know, the new hotel, if it would have happened on Winslow Way, would have had a sidewalk because it would be required. Yeah, fire department has these brand new, beautiful facilities. And we're talking about a police station that may or may not, not ever get built. And, uh, then we're talking about a fire department that couldn't recently go out to a fire because they didn't have enough employees, right? People had been changed to EMT drivers, and they didn't have enough people that Silverdale had to come out, and Paulsbo um, had to come out to uh, put out that fire on the south end. You're looking at me like you didn't hear about that story. Well, you're saying things I don't know, but I'll just, before we start on that, <laughs> what's interesting is I think the fire department spent $18 million on three new fire stations that are gorgeous yeah i don't know i've only toured the main one on madison Mm -hmm. i haven't been in the other ones but i mean handsome buildings well designed well built 18 million bucks three buildings how much is that police station costing us do you have an idea i want to say it was 11 million to to buy it buy it and then a few million to retrofit it yeah i'm hearing 20 total 20 plus total. But also remember that it's an existing building. It was bought. Yeah. And it's ours now. I'm so just saying, let's deal with it. I'm just saying, fire, fire department did a super, super deal. They got yeah. three buildings for 18 million. And uh, uh, I see what you're saying. Buildings, that's all. Yeah. yeah. But I think there was a combination that the courthouse was losing its lease in Rolling Bay, and that was going to be a combination at the police station. It as could well. be. But you know how many times the court facility is used annually? I went in there once in my 10 years. Yeah, I think. Cuz I got a parking ticket on less than 90 times. Yeah. Yeah. I believe not it. a lot. I went not in there to talk about a parking ticket that I got on Sunday in front of Havel Golf. I was gone for over 4 hours and I was like, I know we only have one code enforcement guide. What are the chances of him working yeah. <laughs> on a Sunday evening? Yeah. And I was like, uh can we talk about this? And it's like, no, you can pay it, though. Yeah. Well, so tell me more about what you know about the fire. I mean, my understanding is that uh, uh, there was inadequate fire flow, so they brought trucks from off-island for wa- for the water tank. Water yeah, but tank. we had a water tank at the Buckland facility that we didn't deploy. Because? Because we were short staff. Because? They had been reassigned to... Ambulance driving. The medic thing. Yeah. That's what I heard. Well, it'd be worth finding out. Yes. Well, you know, I got an email here from uh, Jared, who's the vice... vice From Subway? From prison? Is it a prison email? No, not that guy. Uh, let's, let's see what he said. I asked him about the fire, because I'm concerned about fire flow. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, KPUD, after the fire, asked people to reduce their consumption <clears throat> because the tanks were drawn down. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, you know, the ETAC study the done by the city determined that there's – oh, I don't have connection. But it determined that there's no problem with potable water in the future, in the long-term future for the island. There's plenty of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of a sudden the question is, is there enough water for fire flow? on the island and are we actually do we have enough well, hydrants out there and what the fire department said is only about 50 percent of the island is covered with hydrants right there's not enough fire hydrants in the which south which means end. that they need to have the tankers trucks out there doing it mm-hmm. but uh also heard that there is some type of machinery that you can pump seawater seawater sure. if it's a if it's a shoreline enough. fire yeah and i believe this guy had built his house and was having his housewarming party in barbecue started it and he had only been in there two weeks have you been to the house no i have not my understanding is it's not on the water no yeah but 
I wonder what that contraption even looks like and how far from the shore. You've seen the fireboats in Seattle. Yeah. They flow. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah. All right, let's talk about you and your candidacy. Um, Oh, my God. I'm exhausted already. Look at this. We've been at it for 40 minutes. That's good. You're easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, What made you want to get into this uh, crazy circle? Well, let's see. Uh, I care about Bainbridge Island. I mean, I've been on uh, the Public Art Committee, Design Review Board, Open Space Commission, volunteer for the Land Trust, and many years on squeaky wheels, non-motorized advocacy, and lots more. I mean, I've been busy. <laughs> you can bring that mic closer and to I you. Don't Just move make anymore. yourself comfortable. Move anymore. I mean, I've been busy doing stuff, and uh, now I'm not working. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, sad thing, my wife died a few years ago. Oh, that and, is a sad uh, thing. It's a sad thing. And, uh, I mean, I have a commitment to place. I have a commitment to being active. And uh, I have time. And I believe that I bring ideas and experience that you know, my opponent does not have at all. So I believe in a better Bainbridge. I believe that we can have... Uh, wise stewardship of our natural resources. I believe we can have wise development, you know, not random ramshackle development that's compromising quality of life. And I think we can have wise government, you know, that doesn't have opposing forces but comes together to make some better choices. Is there any chance we can have shorter city council meetings so I can stay engaged? Well, holy Toledo, I haven't watched any, but I hear Blair is just lining them up and knocking them down. You know, here's a shout out for Blair King. Blair, come on the show. I've yet to (laughs) have you in here. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, I've met Blair a few times, and uh, I am impressed with his professionalism, his experience, and his uh, ability to uh, see what needs to be done. Keeps it moving. I mean, have you watched any council meetings? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. No, he's doing good. This yeah. is something council or staff can take care of, he'll say. Right. This is how many things we're going to take care of at today's meeting. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, I feel there's a huge disconnect between the, the city council and city planning, uh, the works. Like, I don't see what they do in their offshoot times and stuff, but... Who's they? Um, the city council working with the planning commission and... Uh, yeah. You know, the the people in the building, I should say. Um, they talk to, talk about them kind of like in a third person where they're they're nameless, faceless, um, not a not a part of our group. That's kind of the standoffish thing that I that I get or pick up. What is your strength when working working with people? Well, you know, I have we said fifty four years of experience earlier on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Professionally, maybe 40. And uh, most of the work is large public work. And most of it had large public process, some of which I run, some ran, some of which we hired people. I mean, I have lots of experience in public process that involves, you know, asking people what they care about, <clears throat> listening to what their concerns are, and applying that and then revisiting it. So besides just the experience with public process of uh, planning, design, and construction, I have this huge public process component of my experience. So I bring that. um, But the bottom line is council are policymakers, right? Mm -hmm. And staff are implementers and provide information. I mean, I understand that juncture as well. Does that answer your question? A little bit. Tim, Tim self? You got the city manager in there as, as well. I like that Someone's he's... Someone's going to be exhausted at this point listening to this. No, no. They need to know about you, Kent. Yeah. Um, I, li- I like that Blair's in there um, fully participating. You know, because I, I felt like sometimes in the, in the past, Morgan and, and Doug would sit back and, and take a lot of things in. Blair doesn't hesitate. He steps right up and, and says how he feels and mm. interjects and keeps it moving. The one thing I did like about Cole when he was mayor, he he tried to keep the meetings moving. But he was that. Machiavellian. I mean, he had agendas too. Yeah. Yeah, for well, sure. That That's a big reason we ask, you know, why do people come into city council? Is it to, to serve or is it for some type of hidden agenda? And I feel there's a lot of agenda-driven councilmen. And women over the last few years. 
But that's my opinion. What's your opinion? About past council people and if they've been agenda-driven or personality-driven? I'm sure there's some of both. What do you mean by personality-driven? Well, I don't know. I was responding to you, Tim. (laughs) I like how you're messing with me. Um, You started it. Yes, I did. And we're going to continue. What are the things that are a high priority if you get on council for you? Right, right. Um, I don't know. You're just going to wing it? You you want to edit this? (laughs) No. (laughs) I want you to to tell us how you're going to make a positive change for the people of Bainbridge Island. Yeah. Beautiful Bainbridge Island. Yeah, right. Uh, Well, uh, I I believe that uh, we cannot stop change. So I think the question is how do we affect the most constructive change? And change means – both providing services, businesses, and providing housing for people. And there's a lot of liabilities in existing code that uh, limit change that is constructive. And uh, there's lots of liabilities in code that create change that is non-constructive. Mm-hmm. And some of the first things that need to be done are fixing the things that are non-constructive and encouraging the things that are constructive. So, again, that goes back to you know, quality of life, which means protecting natural systems, which means uh, reducing if we can. And there's several mechanisms in play, the amount of development that's occurring in rural areas. And that means then increasing the development potential and the incentives for affordable housing and just market rate housing in more uh, – in Winslow especially, where services are – where transit is. So this is the first big thing, and it's kind of multi-tiered. I mean, we're taking care of affordable housing. We're taking care of density, trying to move it off of rural areas and moving it into Winslow, and that's a sustainable solution, you know, besides an environmental solution. And, um, and we keep building, keep building enough that satisfies the demand. What do you – if we continue to build and grow and, and densify areas, how do you think – yeah, I'm playing with the cord. How do you think that affects our aquifer situation? Do you think we can handle, you know, another 10,000 people on this island with the water that well, we have? you know, there are professionals who've done a study and said, yeah, there's plenty of water, and uh, the city is hiring another hydrogeologist. Well, wasn't the last guy not even a hydro guy that did the— uh, the? You mean Charlie Kratzer? You should have him on the show. Shout out to Charlie. <laughs> But, you know, I, I believe that— Is he a hydrologist, for real? Or Well, he worked for USGS. Yes, but does that make him oh qualified? You know, the modeling that USGS has that they've developed, you've seen the report that shows where the aquifers are, how much water goes in, how much mm-hmm. water goes out, all that stuff. I mean, it's pretty daunting that you can model this stuff, but it's pretty daunting that cell phones work, for that matter. But the uh, story is that there's plenty – there's not a water issue. I mean, there may be a water issue from distribution point of view, and there may be a water issue for fire flow in case there's a fire. But I don't think there's a water issue that will limit development. Well, I mean, then – There are issues with whether or not the sewage treatment plant, how much more they can handle, and if that needs to be rebuilt. I mean, there are infrastructure costs that need to be addressed with development and depending on where development occurs. But um, if we care about the planet, do you care about the planet? Mildly. Mildly, yeah. Only enough that's comfortable. Yeah, right? I, I if mean, it, if it gets uncomfortable, then run away from. No, I just, I just feel it's so ingrained that, um, I do damage. You talk about the cell phone; it's probably one of the hugest contributors to. To the climate change is yeah, right. is the manufacturing, the lithium batteries, the the, the whole shebang. Well, you know? Why not pick on an electric car while you're at it? Yeah, we could. Yeah, but the bottom line is if we care. I don't I, have a horse and, and buggy. And, and you may not care in a meaningful way because what you have to give up isn't your cell phone. It's 80% of your uh, purchasing power. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Consumerism, flights. Did you get that? 80% shebang. of your purchasing power. Yeah, it, yeah. It, Climate change, you know, I'm all for ethical sourcing and doing my part to some extent, but am I balls to the wall 
going to make a change for this planet, I don't think I have that cap- capacity. No. Nobody does. But the bottom line is, if we're going to develop Bainbridge, should we do it in a rational, climate-sensitive, environmentally-sensitive way? Mm -hmm. And I think we should. I don't believe in compromising and putting more cars on the road, cutting more trees down, putting more units on every uh, residential lot. I mean, that's non-constructive. That's not helpful. Mm -hmm. That's making the problem bigger. And we're not any better off. I want to get back to water and development and ask you, do you think since that report had stated how how good the water situation is that it shouldn't have affected the critical area ordinance? Or was that written in a way to support the critical area ordinance? Yeah, right. No, I think it uh... – I couldn't say for sure, but my understanding is that it throws the critical area ordinance under the bus. That's how I read it. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, it'd be a really interesting thing to figure out every year how many trees are cut down. Mm -hmm. And then figure out the trees that are left, how much they grew. I mean, my guess is that every year there is a thousand, ten thousand times more tree mass than there is from trees that aren't cut down than the mass of the trees that are removed. I mean, it's pretty startling. If you talk to people who were here 60, 70 years ago, you could see the Olympics from virtually anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, that's a sea change of character. And there's no way we're going to cut the island down. I mean, forests are, are suspect. And if you've looked at the mapping from the land trust about which trees are protected, those very and few, the, and really. Those, and those that are not, most are not. I mean, mm. most trees are not on you know, public land or land that's controlled by the land trust. One of the biggest trees on the island is set to get cut down on that roundabout. I don't know. Yeah, so I think it's a, I believe it's a 38-year-old tree. Huge. That's not, that's not that big. No big well, that's pretty big. Yeah. Compared, I mean, compared to the rest in the forest at that area? But back to the critical But it's not old growth. So. But, but back to the critical areas ordinance. I mean, uh, I support the fact that people should be responsible about what they do with the landscape that they purchase and how they put a house on it. Mm-hmm. But it is a very telling thing that uh, the ETAC study does not show that there's not enough water. It shows there is enough water on the island. Biggest problem, ready for this, you probably don't know this, that mm-hmm. the ETAC study also showed with climate change mm-hmm. that, uh, as you may know, the amount of rainfall stays the same, you know, 40 inches a year, although it changes about five inches from north to south end of the island. It changed a lot this summer. It did not come. Well, it's true, but we had a super, super wet January, February. But here's the interesting thing about the uh, projected change uh, based on climate change and rainfall is it's going to rain the same about but it'll rain harder and because it'll rain harder less often more water will run off so bottom line by 2050 so you count it that's 28 years and four months I think I'll be passed by then. You may be passed, but here's the bottom line is that the projection is that there's a 40% decrease in water infiltrating into the ground because it's running off. The rains are harder. What does that mean? It means a lot of the trees are going to die. We have uh, maples, firs, alders, cedars dying now. Mm-hmm. You know, In 28 years, 40% reduction in infiltration of water, it's going to be a lot worse. I mean, yeah, it's a, I look it's a at gigantic the, change. So it's not just available water. It's not just fire flow. It's also environmental change and, and, and um, you know, the impact of less infiltration. It's huge. And if we can't make wise decisions based on things that we believe to be true in the near future, then we shouldn't be making decisions. Very well said. Um, with that said, what what's the solution for the runoff too? I think that's one of the biggest complaints on this island is that the water's just running off into the ocean. Yeah. Well, I've talked to Public Works. You know, I don't know how much of it is as their term is conveyed. In other words, piped. I mean, a lot of it goes in ditches. Mm-hmm. And some of it goes into stormwater ponds. I don't. I asked for a number and I, I haven't gotten one. 
but is it enough to make a difference? Can you take all that stormwater off of roads and buildings and uh, recharge forests? I mean, go figure. It's not going to happen. It's too big a lift. Yeah, it's too bad because it's a complaint without a without a viable solution in my mind. Yeah, I mean, you should have you know Gina King or somebody from the land trust, Brenda Padgham, maybe even Jane Stone, come in and just talk about you know what they're seeing from a landscape point of view. Um, trees not making it, the change in in you know survival patterns. Jane, that's an open invite to come back on the show. Let's talk again. It's been a minute. Yeah. Um, well, let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, Fine. You- finally. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> You're just lucky you don't have to go to lunch with me after this. Um, uh, I got the girlfriend in the car. Damn, moving on quick. <laughs> well, three years, sorry. <laughs> this was just five minutes ago for me that I found out that your yeah, wife had passed. Yeah, no, no, I know. I love my wife. I, I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you got between now and election time coming through the pipe? Uh, do you have any forums that you're attending? Oh, or, um... God. Yeah. Boy, you want to talk? I'm ready to talk, people out there in Podland. Um, got a website coming up, Facebook thing coming up, hopefully within two weeks. Um, I mean, there's all the forums for League of Women Voters and all that other stuff. If you haven't read it, I'm sure Tim has. There was a Chamber of Commerce Watched thing, yep. Chamber of Commerce deal that's been submitted, HRB thing submitted. Uh, you haven't seen the thing from Equal Rights Washington or the thing from the Kitsap Central Democratic Committee or the Bainbridge Black Leaders Network. Have you had those guys on? No, but I'm friends with uh, Chaz and Ashley and a few of those people. Yeah, right. So I've Great been, group. I, I participated in all those forums. and uh, So something is out there you can look at. But what's coming up besides the website and Facebook is I'm going to start uh, having uh, table meetings both at uh, the Marketplace in Linwood and at Madrone Lane in Winslow. Just a drop in, let's talk. And I'd uh, like to hear what people have to say, what they think, how they respond to the, the fine but suspect <laughs> questions that Tim has asked me today. <laughs> When you when you planning to do the the, the coffee talks or whatever uh, you want to call them after the first of September, okay. So I'll put a sign up. People can easily see the sign. Kent Scott, City Council, District Three, South Ward. You're not going to be like come a on, Sky Guy, and have a little name tag there. <laughs> no, I'm going to have a not sign. Sky what guy? Who yeah, they? and uh, I'm putting signs up. Good Space Guy. That's the guy. I yeah, I here. know that guy. Yeah, I'm interesting a, conversation. I'm, I'm putting signs up. Hey, I have a question. So there's lots of stuff coming up. Hopefully people will start paying attention. But here's the real question, Tim. Shoot. What do you think? How many people will not pay attention to the election until they get their ballot in the mail and open their voter's pamphlet to make a decision? 85%. 85%. And I think you have to have an attractive yard sign. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> 85. I'm going for 70. Really? You think it's yeah. that high? Um, so I was, what, I was so in, what's the point of all this, right? To get that fifteen percent, because yeah, you, no, and I mean, you, you look at you, this. You think eighty-five percent of people who will vote? This is like what percentage of people who will vote will not know anything about the election until they get their ballot and open up the voters' pamphlet? Be less than eighty-five percent, I think. Yeah. There's some people paying attention, but as I watch on zoom meetings at city council you know there's hardly anybody watching um yeah the paper does a horrible job in my mind yep um this podcast is hopefully a small portion where a few hundred people can get access to a conversation they wouldn't have normally um and find out more about you and other candidates um hopefully on my facebook page when you get your coffee dates I'll publish them there as well. Great, thank you. Get uh, you know, it's it's hard to get a following of truthful listeners. You know, people will not participate. Politics are ugly. I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to talk about politics. You know, that that seems to be the standard thing. I, oh, I don't care who runs the zoo. It's always going to be a zoo. I was in the bank the other day, and which one? Wells Fargo. 
sorry. Yeah, <clears throat> Jesus. Don't go there. Been there 23 years, and I don't know why. Tell them, tell them, no, just say no. You know what Nancy said. Tell me. Just say no. <laughs> the war don't, on drugs didn't don't. work either. <laughs> um, but be, uh-huh. people commonly ask me, hey, so what's going on in city council? So I'm constantly having that conversation when I'm out and about on the island. But there are some people in there um, ask me if the primary was over and then who won. Yeah. And so, well, back it up. Who'd you vote for? Oh, I didn't vote. You know, well, I understand a primary is a little different. And the numbers, like, I think there was less than 3,000 people voted in the primary for the central ward. Um, yeah, I didn't see the number. It was um, pretty small. And I know there's more people of age that can vote. Uh, there's 25,000 people on this island, right? So the primary, there was not much to care about. And then there was a bit of a, a freeze about the parks department wanting a levy of more money when they're going to buy a private gym. So there was a little bit of fear that that tax money would go to them buying, you know, something that a lot of people deem unnecessary because they wanted a community center over there across from uh, Sakai. Well, let's talk about this off the radio. Why? Because they can it's, listen. it's, it's uh, parks choices. It's nothing to do with the with city council. But but it does have um, a correlation a correlation with voting. It's on the same thing. So we were talking about sidewalks earlier. Why has there not been another multi-use levy drawn up since the last one failed? Last one was written really poorly, and it was very costly, and it was going to basically improve a block per year for X amount of years. Well, it's a little more a little more complicated than that. What the what uh, Matt Tierman and other council members asked for was a fifteen million dollar blank check, and they were going to choose what it is that happened. When a lot of dedicated people, and a shout out to Demi Allen, uh, worked hard to come up with a list of projects that made sense that would improve safety on the island and mm-hmm. improve mobility, but uh, council kind of threw that under the bus. That's poorly worded too. Yeah. It? So uh, what uh, is on on the uh, on the fire now is the sustainable transportation plan being done by Nelson Nygaard and um, it's you should probably have somebody on it to talk about that it's pretty interesting mm-hmm. it's supposed to have a list of priorities but what it will not have is any engineering so in other words if I think that doing an improvement on um, sunrise is important mm-hmm. the plan that they've spent I don't know Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on, and had dedicated staff time for two years. It won't let me know how much that's going to cost, so I have to go out and figure out the cost for all of these before I can come up with a bond issue, so that I can go to the public to say, "Hey, you know, let's let's make some improvements." Mm-hmm. Something is in the works, but it's just a ways away, and I'm hopeful that the plan makes enough sense that we can actually use it. So I can, you know, the old, uh, not Rockaway, but that rock beach there where the mudslide was down below Sunrise. Mm. I can't believe that lady got the permitting to build a house right where that d- disaster was. And that, that whole row has been condemned. And then she know. came in there and put massive retaining walls up there and, and such. But I see Sunrise is such a high cliff. You know, and that's where the little girls had the accident too. Yeah, recently it's there is no shoulder. I when I want to ride from Winslow to Fay Bainbridge and back, you know, Sunrise is one of the roads that I take. And right. After I get past Bay Hay and Feet, it's it's difficult. You know, and people fly down that road. Yeah, uh, we're back to more speed enforcement or maybe lower speeds. Yeah, makes sidewalks sense, still, all that me. stuff. Well, hey, last question. Oh, we'll let you go. What do you know about shoreline management? Yeah, I know that, uh, well, at least the story is that Paul's both shoreline management, their take on what the state's requirement is. But Paul's boat come up, came up with a plan that's 40 pages long. Yeah. How long is Bainbridge's shoreline master plan document? See, that's that's one that's subject. That's 167 pages. Oof. And, uh, you know, the uh, story is it's a little unclear, Bainbridge. 
and it's a little bit uh, back and forth. And uh, it's clear that Bainbridge needs to update it, which is in the process and has been in the process of update for the last year. What actual work is so being done? What makes sense is to have Heather Wright and maybe Peter Best, who's the principal planner and the planning director, come in and talk about it. There is no question that uh, it's difficult for a shoreline owner to make sense out of the current document and that an update is needed. And I support making the sense making the document make sense so that people can build sensibly. So I'm not familiar because I'm not a beach guy. Um, What does it have in it, that city responsibility and landowner responsibility? Where where are we at and why is it talked about a lot? I I hear that the plan needs revision and needs being updated, but I've never really come in contact with somebody that's explained – yeah. What it is. Again, I would have Heather Wright, planning director, and Peter Best, the principal planner, <clears throat> working on those things come in. I mean, uh, you know, if I had a dream, it would be that Christy Carr would be running for council for the South Ward District 3, but she's not. But uh, she's also pretty informed about this. She, um, yeah, I mean, she's a kind of off the chart woman that can uh, help you with this. All right, Kent. Thank you for your time. I wish you all the best with this election. Let's talk some more. Definitely, um, when you get those little coffee stops going, I'll I'll show up and uh, It'd be great. Hang out. Yeah. Listen to what people have to say. I'm, I'm interested in everybody's uh, comments and ideas. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tim, thank you very much for asking me, and let's do it again. My pleasure. I look forward to it. Right. You've been listening to the Bystander Podcast. Be kind.